Hi, my name is Sydney Mitchell. Hi, I'm Matthew Brickman, Florida Supreme Court mediator. Welcome to the Mediate This podcast, where we discuss everything mediation and conflict resolution. So welcome to the podcast, Mark. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm very pleased to be here. It's interesting. I've been doing my own podcast for a few months, not not as long as yours, but it's interesting to be on these, the other end here. I'm used to being in the, the host's shoes. Yeah, I've been, I've been on both ends of the interviewer and then been on and been interviewed, and it is a little bit of a different dynamic, uh, but it's a conversation, so... Exactly. Um, exactly. So, wow. Um, I, th- I think I want to start out, um, and when I say wow, just looking at all that you've accomplished, all that you've done. I know you've got a new book out, and I want to talk about that as well. But for the listeners, um, like I could do my own little like, okay, this is Mark Lesser, but I'd actually like to hear from you. Like, who's Mark Lesser? Like, you know, because you've, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't know what to actually pinpoint and highlight because there's so much there. So. Yeah. I'm happy, I'm happy, you know, to, yeah, it's always, I, I've, I've told my, you know, again, I can do the, you know, anywhere from the one minute version to the five minute or longer versions of, uh, yeah, it's kind of made this, you know, I'm, I, I feel both uh, surprised and rather privileged in this, this life. And I'm here, um, I'm actually I'm not, this is not where I'm usually perched. I okay. am in Missoula, Montana. Uh, my uh, my daughter just had a baby son, so oh, I, wow. I, my wife and I are here uh, supporting, being support supportive parents. Awesome. And you're and, and you're based out of California, though, correct? I'm usually I'm usually um, just north of San Francisco. Just north of San Francisco. One of the things, I mean, aside from just all the executive coaching you've done and the, you know, leadership training um, with a lot of big companies, I mean, Google for just, if we're just going to name drop one of them. Um, but then I, I thought it was interesting, too, about your Zen monastery that you opened. Yes, my my uh, my one-year leave of absence from Rutgers that turned into 10 years at the, the Zen center, including five years living in a monastic life. And, and um, <laughs> my, my parents not thrilled about that, as you can imagine, but how that ended up being the, you know, the springboard for so much of what I've been able to, to do. Sure. Sure. So um, I really, you know, so I was interested when, uh, when you, when you had reached out about, um, your new book, because of you know what I do as a mediator, um, dealing with people that are always in conflict. I I like to refer to myself as I sit in the friction of life, mm-hmm. um, because I'm, I mean intentionally I sit in the friction just between two people that are having issues. Um, sometimes it's business, most of the time it's personal, it's family related, um, and whatnot. But then. All of the people that I'm dealing with, of course, are dealing with their own friction. They're dealing with their own relationships and um, and whatnot. And um, you know, looking through your bio, I you know, I thought it was interesting that that you had brought emotional intelligence training to Google. Um, and I've done a little bit, probably nowhere close to what you've done. I've done a little bit of training on emotional intelligence, uh, which I have found fascinating. Um, but 
in that, you know, I read that, you know, that you had said that you can actually learn a lot about dealing with difficult people by simply being still and looking inward. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I see. Are we, are we recording? Is this are yeah. we on? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think all uh, healthy relationships, and especially as you were saying, working whenever it's uncomfortable, the the the, the most obvious starting point is to is to be curious about your own discomfort, whereas the tendency, as you know, as a mediator, is I think we are actually wired in some way, both wired and reinforced, to go right to blame, to go right to what is it about the other? What, you know, instead of looking at the way in which, to some degree, we're always creating our own reality, our own worlds, our, we, we're generating our own emotions. And like, imagine that. I mean, even, um, you know, uh, I, I often get asked, you know, how do we work? How do I work with those difficult people? And I immediately wonder, are you one of those difficult people? Or we're all, we, in some, you know, we are all difficult people in some situations to some other people. Yeah. So, but, so that to me, that question is such a, a giveaway that the person is not asking the right question generally. Like, yeah. of course, there are toxic people. There are, sure. you know, and and we should have. But most mostly, those day to day, you know, uncomfortable situations are one where, yeah, as you just asked about, starting by stopping and being curious about your own emotions is a really skillful, useful way to begin. Yeah, well, and you know, as as a mediator, I find, um, and and I'm in I'm in South Florida, uh, so we are. A melting pot, um, similar to California, New York, where, you know, we've got Caribbean, we've got South American, we've got, um, we're, we're just going to call New York, New York their own, right? Um, but we've got so many different cultures that we've got religious beliefs, political beliefs, cultural beliefs. And when you start mixing all that together, I find, you know, as a mediator, a lot of times I just sit and listen, you know, I'm, you know, trying to actually listen to not what is being said, but why is it being said? And is it a cultural belief or is it something that maybe was ingrained as, as a child just because they're a product of their parents? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so much of that is just listening and, you know, as much as I'm there, sometimes I'm there to facilitate. So I'm having to really talk and whatnot. But then sometimes it's just listening and letting the two people work things out, discuss. And I'm trying, I'm, I'm like, looking for those pieces to figure out, you know, why, what's, what's going on behind the scenes? Yeah, no, totally. You know, you pointed out the, you know, kind of ethnic and cultural, cultural differences, but even, you know, even people that come from you know, what looks like very similar backgrounds, our own, um, the way that we deal with conflict, the way that we deal with different emotional issues, the way that we deal with the underlying stories, sometimes the trauma, um, you know, it, 
it, I think the mistake that we make is that we, um, we, we assume that everyone is from our planet. You know, I, I sometimes like that language that we're, yeah. we all come from our own planet in terms of how we see the world and how we process information and where we get in trouble is assuming that, that everyone else, they must come from our planet. And, and, and then we spend time trying to convince them that they should be on our planet and it doesn't usually work so well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I see that in the, it, you know, a lot of the work that I do is in the business world that I, I, I see people in meetings not hearing each other. And I can almost see, you know, I sometimes visualize their parents be, behind them, you know, uh, scolding them or not appreciating them and just, you know, yeah. So even, even back to your um, original question about starting by stopping, starting by, you know, noticing all of the, you know, what are we bringing into this conversation uh, that might be getting in the way of actually listening, hearing, yeah. connecting. Do we want to connect? Is our, is our intention, are we intending even to listen or are we just there to be right? Yeah. Well, and, and I saw that in myself, even, um, 2020 got us in a lot of trouble <laughs> um, because, you know, by, by being isolated, everybody's voice was liquid courage through the internet and everybody was voicing their opinions, including myself to the point where I kept getting put in Facebook jail, assuming that everybody thought that I was right and I saw things right. And then, of course, then you find out that there's so much satire, so much misinformation and all the conversations. And that really led to a huge division of an us versus them. Similar like you're saying, like, this is our planet. That is your planet. Well, you're going to be part of my planet or get off my planet. Well, that doesn't work when we're actually all on the same planet, does it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, this is, you know, the first, uh, the first chapter in my, my new book, Finding Clarity is called uh, Be Curious, Not Furious. Oh, I love that. And I, I think everyone should, that should be sewn into all of our clothing, you know. Be uh, curious, so, not furious. Yeah. I mean, any, any time, uh, any time we're angry again, whether it's, you know, stuck in traffic or, you know, someone cuts us off or someone gives us, you know, says something. Um, and we notice that we're, our, our tendency is to react, to respond. Yeah. And anger, anger can come up, anger yeah. or frustration. Uh, yeah, so to be curious, to start with curiosity about, oh, wow, isn't, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I often know, because I teach this stuff. I teach you know, emotional intelligence. Of course, I, I, I'm, I'm not um, afraid of saying that my, you know, my wife thinks it's hilarious that I'm teaching emotional intelligence. That's like my wife thinks it's hilarious that I'm mediating. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, just um, uh, just to start with uh, yeah, curiosity about, oh, you know, I, I often, as I see myself getting angry or frustrated, saying, oh, I'm, I'm doing that thing that I'm often advising other people not to do. That's interesting. Sure. I wonder what that's about. Sure. Yeah. When, it, when I got divorced many, many years ago, um, you know, that usually the one closest to you 
knows your buttons, probably better even than you know your own buttons. And so my ex knew my buttons and she knew what to say, how to say it, when to say it to get a reaction. And people used to say to me all the time, Matthew, you're very angry, to which I would say, no, I'm not. (laughs) Right. So finally, I, you know, I mean, like even my kids were like, dad, settle down. Like what's wrong? So I decided, you know what, you know, after trying to change her for years, and of course that didn't work and we got divorced, I finally, like you said, without even understanding the emotional intelligence, without understanding stop and look inward, I actually just stopped and look inward. So the first, my my very first online education type thing was I actually took voluntarily, I took the court ordered anger management program. It was 11 weeks long. Mark, I learned what my buttons were. And when I learned, like, why does this set me off? Why do I react in this way? How should I actually respond? And once I looked inward and figured out, who am I? What makes me tech? What drives me? What sets me off? All of a sudden, it really changed how I was able to relate not only to my ex, but to my kids and the world around me. And for years now, I mean, for what, 15, 16 years, I have recommended that to almost every single client that I've had in mediation going, just take it. It will change your life because it really is that stop and look inward. It's that that assessment of who are you? And how do you then, you know, either react or respond to those around us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially to notice, like as you're saying, what our what our anger tr- triggers are, but then also, um, you know, f- the other side of that is what causes us to close down, what causes yeah. us to shut down. Those yeah. are the those are the two things yeah. that drive other people crazy, yeah. and that, and that get us in trouble. In whether it's our marriages or uh, I think of a um, uh, a coaching an executive that I that I've been working with, whose trigger is when he feels that someone on his team is being incompetent. He goes from being curious to interrogating. Oh, okay. So it's an, that's a, it's an interesting. So yeah. he was just totally unaware that that he had this trigger about. Sure like, you know, competence. And, and that's, that can be, that's a pretty common one in the work world because we all want to be competent. Sure. Right? So what do we do when we feel that someone is uh, looking at us, questioning our competence or when, or if we're in a leadership role, if we, if we feel like someone isn't being competent and we suddenly are, uh, going from, you know, being their mentor to being their, you know, interrogator. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I refer to mentor to tormentor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so I, I guess, I, I guess, I guess my next question is, so when we, you know, when we start labeling, you know, people as difficult people, not just, you know, the behaviors that are difficult and then, you know, as we're talking, that may anger us or may trigger us like in a in a past hurt, like it brings up a hurt that we may have. Then we start to 
judge someone's entire character like they it's they and it's not separating the behavior from the person we just tend to label the person right yeah there's a beautiful i think a useful a rule of thumb that we you know we judge ourselves by our intentions we judge others by the impact their intentions have on us wow Right. We're, we're good people. We're good people. We're yes. good people. We're trying our best. But as soon as we're, there's an ouch, someone does something and there's yeah. an ouch, they're, they're, they're a bad person. Yeah. They're, you know, what's, what, what's, what is their underlying motivation? Yeah. We question, we question their motivation. That's that, you know, again, it's a core uh, emotional intelligence competency of knowing the difference between impact and intention. Right. That that anytime, anytime the impact of someone's words is like an ouch to be curious about their intention. Not we again, we go right. This is again, I think we're wired for blame. We're wired that we, yeah. we have to be we protect her. It's it's a protection mechanism. Sure. Sure. It's, it, it's interesting. My wife and I went through that for a, the first number of years that we were dating and then we got married and, you know, just sort of learning each other. And it finally came, you know, and we're both in the legal world. Um, she's been a paralegal forever. I've been a mediator. So, um, so, we, so we both come from this legal world. So what was interesting was you know, we finally had to come to that realization that, look, she may do something, she may say something, but it's not out of malice. And that, you know, it's a legal word. We're like, it, it's not intentional to hurt. It's not, I'm saying this to get, I'm, I'm saying this because I love you. And when we start to look from a different perspective, which I think you're talking, looking inward and going, okay, they're not out to get me. They're actually watching out for me. Then it changes the entire dynamic of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think to uh, to understand, you know, I uh, I spent many years uh, teaching emotional intelligence to Google engineers, and um, and and one of them uh, was this uh, amazing scientist who he used to often say that we humans are descendants of the nervous apes that our descendants who were chill and cool, they all got killed. It was the ones who were really adept at scanning for threats. Right. So we are, you know, we, we, you know, evolution, we, we've evolved to stay alive, to stay alive. And in order to stay alive, scanning for threats is a really, really important quality to have. Survival so, of the fittest. So it's, well, survi- survival, at, you know, especially... Right. And I think it's interesting. I think the it's those external threats, as you were describing with your with your uh, your former wife, but also I think it's those internal threats that we're always looking: Am I okay? How am I? You know, am I am, am I being seen as good and competent? That there's that yeah. there's that scanning that happens, and and this is part I think of that. You know, it's it's easy. It's an easy throwaway statement. Oh, look within, but no, like become actually become more curious and familiar with oh what what is that process how am i how am i scanning for threats we all we all do it it's part of our makeup 
Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, when I'm sitting in mediation and trying to help, you know, either a mother or father or husband and wife, you know, none of that is present. It's, you know, finger, finger blaming, you know, they did this, therefore it caused this. And it's like, okay, but what, what role did you play? Like they didn't just do it on their own. Like, what role, you know, and, 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 you know, I've, I've found a lot of times with, you know, infidelity that, okay, well, what caused them to go look in the first place? Like, you know, nobody's leaving a happy home. Like if it's a happy home, why are you even looking anywhere? Like, okay, but there's, and of course that's inward and that's, that's uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah. I like to, in those situations, I like to ask the question, were you maybe 1% responsible? Yeah. You know, two, th- you know, any, anything, is there even a whiff, even a whiff of that? You might have had something to do with this. This is a relationship. This is a situation. It's not, it's rarely 100% them. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess as I, as I've gotten older and, you know, been doing this for so long and my kids are now, you know, much older and finally got through my own, craziness and whatnot. I finally got to a point, um, and, and, and I share this all the time, you know, with, with clients, but I've gotten to the point where the relationship to me is much more important than being right. But that is take it again, looking inward going, look, I don't have to be right. It's not about pride. It's not about ego. I actually, and, and it's not that, oh, I'm just, a, you could just walk all over me. It's that, no, you know what? I pick and choose my battles and you know what? I don't have to be right. I'll be wrong all day long. I, I just want the relationship. And it, it used never to be that way. Like I had to have the final word. I had to try to convince you of my point of view, just like you said, like, this is my planet. <laughs> um but it, but it, it's been changing, um, you know, as, as I get older going, I just really desire the relationship. And if that means that I have to say, I'm sorry, fine. Yeah. You know, and it's not a manipulation thing. It, again, it's not that I'm just rolling over and I'm just an easy, easy pushover. It's that, look, I'm, I'm changing that. I'm changing. Like I'm looking inside of who am I? What makes me tick? And I actually desire relationship more than I care about proven my point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think we go, you know, that the proving, proving one's point is kind of a, kind of an ego thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, And and those ego things are not very good for building sustainable, intimate, you know, uh, quality relationships as we, as we, at some point, you know, and I think it happens at different times in our lives, we, our priorities shift and we realize that, Right. Relationships are really important. Yeah. I mean, even um, especially, you know, especially our, our closest relationships, but even in the work world. It's Absolutely. Everything, you know, it, and they might be different than friends relationships, but those those working relationships are all about trust and connection yes. and negotiations, and compromise. And, yeah. And, and I think this is actually a, a new uh, realization, a relatively new realization, you know, that I think much of the, much of the work world structure was a, a kind of rooting out humanness, right? This, this assumption that humanness and emotions, bad, bad, gets in the way. 
Yeah. Now, because of the way that we're working and the the level of collaboration, what it takes to build stuff, whether it's software or airplanes or hamburgers, yeah. um, that um, working together, that there is a, a clear relationship for the quality of relationships and effectiveness and production. Like, yeah. wow, like who, who yeah. would have thought? We can get so much more done if we actually just work together. I mean, there's, there is actually, I mean, and, and I think this goes back to, you know, just look at stopping and looking inward is there's more, if, if we actually, I think if we actually pay attention, there's more that unites us than divides us. But sometimes we can walk into a room and find the one or two things that didn't get done, not the 98% that did get done. And there's so much that, that just in a normal conversation, it's like we could actually have in common. And if we look to that commonality, we can be more productive, whether it's an, in a, like you said, a personal relationship, a work relationship, business, um, we can just get more done. Yeah. Yeah. Many years ago, I was involved in some kind of mediation with um, Arabs and Jews. Okay. And they walked in, you know, these two groups walked into the room and they hated each other's guts. Sure. Right. Bad people, bad, horrible people. But, but as soon as they started talking about their children and, and that, the, 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 it was like, it was amazing to see that a little bit of humanity and commonality and those, those ideas that they had yeah. been brainwashed with over, over a lifetime started, started to loosen and, yeah. and they could feel those, those connections. And, yeah. Um, I did, um, I did a, uh, a, a course with uh, Dr. Josh Weiss. He was one of the two men that actually um, created the Abraham path. Um, over in uh, the Middle East through uh, Harvard's program on negotiation. And um, fascinating work. Um, I, like I said, I did the Abraham Path. I was supposed to go over to Jordan and do a section of the Abraham Path with him. But of course, COVID came. They had to cancel. They haven't been able to reopen Jordan and do that. But they did a virtual version. And it was really, really fascinating learning You know how... Um, you know, he was one of two people that actually was able, like you said, to find that commonality between the Israelis, the Palestinians, the Arabs, and figure out, okay, what commonality? We've got Father Abraham. We both acknowledge Abraham as our father. Okay, well, how do we then build, you know, a safe space? How do we build up our countries? How do we, you know, uh, build tourism? How do we help both of you, even though you have differences? And they were able to then, you know, find that commonality, whether it was historical documents, the Quran, the Bible, and go, okay, here's the path that Abraham, who we all have in common, they found that commonality. And let's figure out, okay, let's trace his path through the Middle East from birth to death. And now let's create a path. And it's a safe zone that all the countries come around and say, okay, we're, we're, we're going to not deal with, you know, not let anybody get hurt, protect everybody. This is a safe place. And it's crazy. It's crazy that it's worked. Yeah, um, yeah. Like you said, it's that commonality. Occasionally, Sydney and I will be releasing Q&A bonus episodes where we will answer your questions and give you a personal shout out. If you have a comment or question regarding anything that we discuss, email us at info at iChatMediation.com. That's info at iChat, I-C-H-A-T, 
mediation.com. And stay tuned to hear your shout out and have your question answered here on the show. For more information about my services or to schedule your mediation with me, either in person or using my iChat Mediation virtual platform built by Cisco Communications, visit me online at imediating.com. Call me at 561-262-9121, toll free at 877-822-1479, or email me at mbrickman at iChatMediation.com.